Nehemiah chapter 5. We're back in our series. Um, I've been off for the last two Sundays, uh, taking a bit of a, a break. Um, I usually preach about 10, 9 to 10 months out of the year, and then um, others preach it, so I needed to take a few weeks off Sunday. So now we're back in our series on Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 5. Uh, we're going to go from 1 to 13, so we're going to read half the chapter or two-thirds of the chapter. It says, now there arose a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, with our sons and daughters, we are many. So let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of famine. And there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers, our children as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I took counsel with myself, and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are exacting interest, each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations, but you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of God to prevent the taunts of the nations and our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, uh, their olive orchards, their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, uh, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. Then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say and... I called the priest and made them swear to do as they had promised. I also shook out the fold of my uh, garment and said, So may God shake out you, uh, shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep this promise. So may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen. And praise the Lord. And the people did as they promised. You may be seated. This, this, this passage, of course, comes into the framework of our series on Rebuilt to Build. And we've been going on through this series since the fall and, and, and really talking about what it really looks like uh, for the people of God to, 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 to re, uh, be reinitiated and take on 
um, their God-ordained identity to represent his reign where they live and dwell. Of course, in this age, uh, the people of God um, were, 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 were in Jerusalem and not scattered throughout the world, um, but, but the people of God were in Jerusalem, and they had just gotten back uh, because they had been in captivity for quite some time, and now they're beginning to, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, the place in which uh, the representation of the glory of God's reign would be. And we, and we talked about, in reality, uh, um, this city uh, it was to be the model city of all cities in the world because it's a reflection of the eternal city in heaven that's going to come down based on Revelation chapter 21 when Jesus, who said in Matthew that he's going to prepare a place for us so that where he is, we may be also. And the Bible says, based on John the Revelator, that, that I saw a new Jerusalem. I saw a new heavens and a new earth, and I saw the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven. And, and the new Jerusalem in, in the eschaton will, will, will be the, the model city for all the cities of planet earth that will be resurrected at that time to the glory of Jesus Christ, uh, with Christ reigning on the throne eternally forever as the model city. But until then, <coughs> this, city, this city acted as a commercial of the reality of what's going to happen when Christ ultimately returns. And so now as we live in the cities that God has placed us in, we are to be a city within a city. Why should we be a city in a city? This is just by way of review for those who you who haven't been with us. The Bible talks about um, a city not necessarily being a place in the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. Y'all tracking with me still? All right, and so in the book of Matthew, I just want to make sure, in the book of Matthew, um, he, he talks about, Jesus talks about you are, or the people of God is a what? City on a hill. He didn't say the city there was a place. He said the city was a people. And those people were to be the representation of the reign of Christ on planet earth. And so now, wherever there are gathered saints, we are within cities across the globe. But, but, but as we are, are transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and we gather and we scatter into our cities on mission uh, uh, to represent Jesus Christ. We act as a, 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 a city within a city. And so right now, we, we, we've seen all the way through the book God's work to make sure that his representation uh, 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 gets re-upped through the people of God. And now, during the building process, we've seen they've been weeping over the city. We, 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 we've seen um, God providing resources for the city to be rebuilt and for the people to be rebuilt, to be that city within a city. Um, but then they, 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 they started going through some difficult times, and they're still within some of those difficult times within this passage right here. Uh, um, and, and it's beautiful to begin to see God at work even in the midst of their difficult times. There's no issue in any city that God can invade and transform through his power. And so, and so here in this passage, we, we begin coming to a major, major, major issue that I think is very, I mean, I really had to stop doing sermon prep. I mean, I, I mean, I literally had to stop. I, I'm just under 20 pages of just notes of thoughts and exegesis and pra practice. And I mean, it's just been blowing my mind. I just had to say, okay, enough is enough, and just pray and lead the rest of the Holy Ghost. You know, um, it, it was just too much information that we could talk about based on this passage. Um, 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 and based on this passage, I, it makes me think of some of the things that go on in our society. My wife and I are just recently finally, I was avoiding this movie, but my wife and I finally watched Precious. <laughs> and he got to do with the text. 
And I was, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I got a pretty high, grimy, you know, uh, threshold. But man, that movie was grimy than a mug, man. That, I mean, the junk was grimy. I don't care what ethnicity you are, your heart went out to, to, to Precious. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 as, I, and as, I, as I looked at that film and began working through the text, um, you will see those types of issues are known for many people in a city. Um, people going through those type of family issues, the, people going through those types of challenges. And, and the question really is for us as believers is will we look at that and say, man, that's bad, or will we believe God that God has placed us in the city to actually invade the challenges of our context? I was taking my sons because the playground, I want, I want, my sons wanted to go to swings. We don't have swings outside yet. We live four blocks from here. So we were walking down Cecil B and going to the, uh, going to the playground on Cecil B at MLK Center. On, 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 and, um, and as we were walking there, um, this dude just started talking out loud that there was a shootout on Diamond Street, right down the street where we're going to be prayer walking today, between the police and uh, um, some teenagers in the neighborhood. And, and, and I began just thinking, what impact are we going to have in relation to the gospel with that type of philosophy of life? Um, I, I, be, I, be, I began talking to one of our school teachers here, well actually he's a, almost a principal now, and, and, and talking to him about some of the, kid, the, the, the students, he's lost four students this year under his tutelage. And so, and so what I began asking myself is, is, is God, uh, uh, what are we here to actually be? Uh, are we here to be a, a, a biblical example, or are we here to be a museum of theology? And so I asked myself, God, I want us to have theological robustness. I want us to see people saved, see people transformed, see, see lives change. But God, I also want to see the gospel hit these grimy streets and transform places where people have given up, where hope has been gone, where challenge, where, 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 where war is not on some battlefield overseas, but there's a war right there where these cats live and dwell. And the question is, it's not a black issue. It's not a white issue. It's not a city government issue. It's a gospel issue. And so now we need to begin thinking about how we can see the gospel transform people on the inside of them, but it make its way on the outside of them to change even and challenge through the gospel their circumstance. And we, and we have to commit to that. This is not something that's for someone else. So this passage lays that out for us. It's interesting that um, as, as we move in the scriptures further, that Philadelphia was just said of 2002, the most depressed city in America. It's crazy. That's a major stat at the top of the list. And so I, I think this text is going to help us to work through this. Well, in this passage, they're doing urban renewal. And so now... Um, they're to the point where people are having some issues, which brings us to our title for the message today. Um, our title for our message today is Rebuilt Through Justice and Love. Rebuilt Through Justice and Love, which brings me to my first point. Um, 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 if we're going to be rebuilt through justice and love, we must listen to the voices of the broken. We must listen to the voices of the broken. I know some of y'all are thinking right now, here we go with some social gospel stuff. This is not social gospel. All right. This is some Titus chapter three uh, information 
pushed back into the Old Testament, which says, uh, let our people learn to engage in press, meeting pressing needs in order that they may not be found unfruitful. But if you remember that the implications of that, just to give everybody a theological framework, comes from verses 4 through 7, which talks about regeneration and renewal that was initiated by God the Father through God the Son to transform our souls, and that transformation of our souls should sew itself up on the outside. Now that we got that down, let's get back to this text. Let's go to verse 1, right? It says, now there arose a great outcry of the people. My first point, we must listen to the voices of the broken. This outcry is interesting because this, this Hebraic phraseology has been used throughout the corpus of Scripture. Throughout the, throughout the format of Scripture, we've seen this idea of, cry, of outcry. It means yelling. It, it, it finds its roots in, in people who are dealing with challenges and difficulty, crying out because they can't take it no more. It's, it's the yell of 911 on someone's heart, letting the world know that I'm going through something extremely difficult and I need help. Usually it's used of people crying out to God. It was the same phraseology was used by Israel when they were in, uh, cap- when they were in uh, Egypt, crying out to God. It was also used by Moses when stuff was happening in the camp of Israel and he cried out to God. It, it goes all the way through the passage, but a strong outcry frequently indicates that righteousness is absent or judgment is being executed. So the gravity of the situation is underscored in that what's funny here is you see here that the wives started yelling. Now, usually, the, now y'all got to understand their culture. The dudes usually yell first. But it got so bad, uh, baby mamas and everybody started hollering right then and there. You know what I'm saying? Because this, this became a rugged situation. Now, why did it become a rugged situation? Let's continue to look at it, and then I want to explain a philosophy of justice. It became a, a, a rugged situation, it says, because they were yelling against their, in verse 1, Jewish brothers. <clears throat> for, uh, for there were those who said, with our sons and daughters, we are many. That's, that's crazy. In other words, the city became overcrowded. Wow. And the city became so overcrowded that there was more people in the city than resources for each family. And so what had began to happen, which we'll get into in a second, is the people that were more well-to-do, middle, upper-class people began taking advantage of the resource shortage by oppressing those who were poor. Now, 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 this outcry usually is an outcry for justice because they understood that something unjust, even exegetically and biblically, was going on, but also practically. Justice is one of the attributes of God. Justice is not something that is, um, th- th- that is the, the implications of our litigation system. But justice is one of God's attributes because God is a just God. The word means to be right and to do right. right. It, it, the word means to be right and to do right. See, God doesn't do right because um, and God doesn't do right merely just because he just wants to do some good. He does it out of the nature of who he is. Let me see if I can make it plain because some of y'all far off from me right now. Uh, um, um, justice means that when we fell into sin with Adam, we deserved hell. Justice demand that. How, 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 however, God also is a God of love and of grace. 
but he couldn't just graciously save us. I wish I had some help right there, but I know I'm in the first gathering, so I'll wait to the second one. But, 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 but what happens is, is if God would have just saved us, he would have violated his just, really his holiness, and he would not have acted justly because his holiness still demanded a life. And because his justice demanded a life, because his holiness was angry that the fact that holiness wasn't reflected from those who he had created, um, Jesus Christ um, came justly as fully God, fully man, without sin, to die on the cross, have all sin placed on him. The cup of wrath that was in heaven was poured out on him, and all of God's, Jesus took the full wrath of God on the cross. Like I always say, he did in six hours what it would have taken us an eternity to do. And with him taking and being able to withstand the full blow of God's wrath, now God can apply grace and mercy and love to those who trust in him without them dying the way Jesus did. So what does justice mean? Justice means God works after the counsel of his own will to do what he sovereignly planned and loves to do. God being right and acting right. And so God being right and acting right should be, a reflect, should be reflected in how the people of God <coughs> enact with him and enact with one another. Justice, um, Cornel West, even though I don't agree with everything my brother says, um, he does have a good quote from somebody he got it from. Now he hijacked it to make it his. Justice is love in action. Justice is love in action. And you begin hearing in this passage um, a bunch of things going on, what they were crying out about. Now we're going to see the situation. It says, for there were those who said, <clears throat> with our sons and daughters we are many, so let us get grain <coughs> that we may eat and keep alive. So now they're hungry. So now there's a desperation within the city of Jerusalem <coughs> for the people. In other words, there's come a shortage, and now they're willing to do whatever they have to do to make sure that they survive. Sound familiar? See, in our context, people, people don't think about it. They, they create a system of underground income to make sure that they eat. When, 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 you, when, you, when you hear the battle rappers on the streets of Philly talking, they talk about eating. They ain't even talking about, they ain't talking about bling. They talking about, I'm, 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 brother got to eat. Baby's got to eat. So cats talking about eating. Oh, see, I'm lost some of y'all because y'all ain't there no more. But, 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 but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is, is that the folk here were hungry and they were like, I got to do whatever I got to do. Um, and whenever there's a lack of justice, crime ensues. Wow, because people that are dealing with issues, guess what? They said, since you won't work for me, I'm a wild out on my own. But what I like about the people in this passage is they didn't start wilding out. They cried out. See, 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 you can either wild out or you can cry out. And what I like about this crazy in this passage is they didn't go to their own mechanisms. They was like, listen, we're asking the living God for justice because something's crazy going on up in the culture. So he goes down and he says, and there were those <coughs> who were mortgaging their fields. Wow. So, they, so, so, to eat, so to eat, they had to take out a, a second mortgage. Sound familiar? Yes. Sound familiar? Yes. Let me, I'm going to break it down for some of y'all. <clears throat> so I grew up in the inner city. My parents bought their house for $32,000. Okay? Three-bedroom, basement, everything. 
nice little joint, hardwood mahogany. If you even try to get the mahogany's done today, it's going to cost you the, the cost for a house, right? <laughs> 32000 Now that house in Washington, D.C. goes for $650,000. And it's just a little over 1,000 square feet. <laughs> so what happens in places like this, What's interesting is people who have lived in the city for years and years and years have finally worked hard enough to be able to purchase their house. House is paid off. Everything is nice. All they're doing is paying taxes. Taxes around here average is between $200 and 1000 a year, right? That's great taxes. That's great, right? <laughs> so, so, so really, that ain't nothing but, uh, you know, a little, little, little bit of change over on the side, right? About 100, a billion a month, right? So you, so you got that happening. So what happens, though, is that people see that the neighborhood goes down. Wish I had some help. Now, you got to understand, in the text, Jerusalem had went down because it was destroyed. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's destroyed. So now it's going through urban renewal. So now this, things are going to be worth a little bit more. So the rich in the text said, we're gonna, since they need grain, we're going to press on them so we can get their property. Wow. So, so, so guess, guess, guess what you have some guys doing? Guys knocking with clipboards, knocking on houses, saying, how you doing, Miss Smith? How you doing, Miss Jones? How you doing, Miss Jenkins? Um, I'll offer you $80,000 for your house. Now, in their mind, they're like, I paid 32, I paid 24, house across the street costs 13000 now it's going for, it'll go for 400000 right across the street, okay? So, 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 so now it's like, so, but the, well, grandmama don't know that, you know what I'm saying? So grandmama like, 80 G's, baby. I, she started praising the Lord and dancing. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> she like, she like, oh, Lord. She like, Aunt Estoff, Sanford and Son, going out of a Red Fox house, right? I mean, she's shouting. You know what I'm saying? Having her a good time, right? But, but not realizing that, that, that because of the poverty and the difficulty she's been through, that's more money than she's ever seen. But what she has is worth more than that because there's renewal taking place. So what she begins to do is she begins to think, she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm a baby, I'm going to sell this house. I ain't never had me no Cadillac. So you know how, I'm going to just be honest with y'all. Black folk, let me just give y'all a key in to poor black folk. Poor black folk, when they get a big check, the first thing we do, I'm just, black folk, you better not act like I'm lying either. We're going to buy some clothes. We're going to the clothes pen and buy what we couldn't buy, them shoes, and we're going to go to the car lot. Before we go get a crib, you know what I'm saying? Y'all, come on now. Now the black people in here, don't tell everybody all our stuff. But we got we to gotta know what's going on so we can help, right? Um, um, and, so, and, and, so, and so this mortgaging <coughs> was challenging. But if you look in the passage further, if you look in the passage further, now the government wants taxes. Taxes increase. Yeah, this, is, this is so parallel. <laughs> because as urban renewal happens, guess what happens? Tax reevaluation happens. Taxes go up. Now taxes are as much as or, or more than what grandmama paid for her mortgage. So even if she didn't, she, she said, I'm not going to take the offer because I'm a little smarter than that. When they come around, she realized she can't afford it. Guess what she got to do? Get on a waiting list or he got to get on a waiting list to be in an old folks home or one of the, uh, what you call them, the, uh, the, the um, assisted living spots or one of those spots. And then now they, they got to sell the, 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 the developer's going to press them, then they're out, taxes go up, and then placal. It's a mess, right? So this outcry was crazy in the text. And so we see here, it says, it says because of the grain of the famine. Now, what's interesting, it says our houses, we're going to mortgage our houses, our fields, our vineyards. They, they're getting rid of businesses, too. 
Businesses are impacted by this. <coughs> and our houses to get, uh, to get grain because of the famine. This is crazy. Now, it wasn't a famine. Now, you got to understand, biblically, famines were usually induced by God because of judgment. This famine wasn't a famine of judgment. It's crazy. This famine was a famine because of overcrowding urban context, and there were more resources. There were very few resources, but more people in it. And so because they had committed themselves to building the wall, their businesses were going down. Y'all still tracking with me? It says, and there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's taxes on our fields and our vineyards. So not only are they remortgaging their homes, they're remortgaging, they're not only remortgaging them to get food, they're also remortgaging their homes basically so that they could do what? Pay taxes. So now they're in debt, even though they paid their taxes, they haven't paid them because they got more debt to pay them. Now, check out what happens. This, this is crazy what's happening in this text, right? It says, now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers, our children as, are as, our, as their children. Now, this is, this will, you know what happens? In this culture, when you couldn't pay your bills, they use stuff as collateral. So they use, they use more than just fields. They use more than vineyards and gardens as collateral. They not only use houses as collateral, guess what else they use? They use children as their collateral. So now they had to put their children in slavery with their Jewish brothers. I want y'all to get this. They had to put their children in slavery if they couldn't pay. Because they not only had to pay back what they mortgaged, they had to pay it with interest. So interest was occurring. So the people who were loaning them the money knew they couldn't pay it back in the first place. And as a matter of fact, these people were spiritual people that was doing this. This wasn't, this wasn't the heathen that was doing this to the poor. This was the so-called uh, religious person that was doing it. It's bananas right here, right? It said, it said, we're forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, and some of our sons and daughters have already been enslaved. This, 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 this is rich right here because <laughs> when, when a child went into slavery into someone else's home, of course, it's not like American slavery, but it was heavy indentured servitude. And um, they were at the disposal of their masters in, in, many, in many facets. <clears throat> now, usually, the year of Jubilee would allow for the release of them, but they were so not operating based on the word of God that they would have not paid attention to the year of Jubilee. So what you have right now is children going into places and being developed philosophically by people that don't have the word of God on their mind so that by the time the children get back to their parents, their parents don't spiritually recognize their children. I wish I had some help right there. See, see, in this neighborhood, we, people, see, see, I, I, I can't send my, I, like, we struggle personally with where we're going to send our child to school um, in the neighborhood because we don't know how they're going to come back to us. And so we've chosen to homeschool for this season, but many people aren't in a position to do what God has blessed me to be able to do is have my wife home. And so people who have no options have to send their children wherever they can go and basically pray that everything is okay. And some of us, some of us, some of us have a philosophy of people in the city like they chose to be for things to be like this. People didn't choose for their lives to be. I don't know anybody on God's planet that choose for their, for their child to have an AK-47 in the closet beside his Air Force Ones and his, and his Butter Timberlands. 
I don't, I don't know anybody that chose that type of life. I don't know anybody that chose the type of life where people bust your window and you have to put cardboard or wood up, paper mache wood up to cover for the wintertime. I, I don't know anybody that chose, that's chosen that. And so, and so, and so it's, it's so interesting enough in this text, you know, we have so many parallel forms of challenges that are happening today that are happening then. But what's beautiful about this is that Jesus came on the scene in a powerful way. When he quoted in Galilee, when he opened the scroll and found the place where it was written in Isaiah 61, he said, for the Spirit of God is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor and to proclaim the favorable day of the Lord. In other words, Jesus came to preach the gospel to those who were most broken. He wanted them to hear the good news of the gospel. But what's interesting about it is philosophically, Jesus came in both word and he came in deed. Can you say word, word. and deed? Word, word. Deed. deed. Word, word. deed. Ministry must have both. Why do I know it's word and deed? Because he proclaimed the gospel. But not only did he come to proclaim the gospel, he came to show the gospel. Now, in him proclaiming the gospel, he, he, he doesn't tell people that me helping you change your situation automatically changes your spirit. So when he preached the gospel, he preached the gospel so people could be regenerated from the inside out based on the transformational work on the cross. But then also he knew that all things were ultimately going to be under his feet and he wanted to see there in their lives to be sneak previews of this reality. And so he said, I came to proclaim the favorable day of the Lord. What's the favorable day of the Lord? That's the year of Jubilee. Now what's interesting about this year of Jubilee is not like the cats on TBN talk about the year of Jubilee. That's the year of Jubilee and everybody just give so they can get more money. Everybody's debt going to be released. I'm like, come, like, come on, bro. Like continuity, discontinuity. But there is a sense of, where's pastors? But anyway, there is a sense of jubilee that Jesus proclaimed, that Jesus proclaimed that is biblically accurate to how it should be applied in the New Testament. In, in, in other words, that jubilee was talking about, that's why he said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. See, 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 people were dealing with these same issues when Jesus came on the scene. And so, and so, and so in the Old Testament, we see Nehemiah getting ticked about it, and we see it in verse, verse, verse 6. He says, he says, I was very angry <coughs> when I heard their outcry and these words. I took counsel with myself. And I brought charges against the nobles. And I said to them, you are exacting interest, each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. But, e but you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent. They could not find a word to say why. Because it was okay in Jewish under the law to loan a brother or sister money. It, it, was, it was lawful to loan, but you were supposed to loan with no interest. And they were loaning on top of loans to benefit from them to take the property so that they can have the property value increase in Jerusalem and make money as of the people of God were being used to restore the city. But I like what he says here. He says, the thing 
that you are doing is not good, ought you not to walk in the fear of God? Walking in the fear of God means the people of God must stand in awe of the reality of who God is. It means to stand. See, see, that don't hit you. See, stuff about, see, stuff about what the word of God doesn't hit, hit you unless you're awestruck by the living God. See, if you're not awestruck by God, then you'll, you'll only want to hear what specifically has to do with you. In other words, how does that apply to me? What does that do for my life? What does that do for my transformation? What does that do for my situation? What does that do for me? But every now and then, if you know God, it should make you reach out in your heart and your practice to the needs of somebody else instead of yourself. And so the fear of God says, what does God feel about this situation? How does the gospel speak to this situation? And Holy Spirit, how can you show up to bring transformation in this situation? And he says, let us abandon exacting interest. He said, let us abandon it. He says, let's fight. He He said, basically, let's repent of this. In our situation in this city, we must be those who try to do what the New Testament teaches us to do in relation to what it looks like to speak on behalf of those who have no voice. It's interesting that a lot of people read Proverbs 31 and they start in the middle of the chapter after verse 8 or 9 or 10, but never read, but never read this verse in the beginning part of Proverbs 31, which is a powerful, powerful verse. In Proverbs 31, real quick, it says, it says a beautiful verse, and this is timeless truth. It says in verse 8 and 9, it says, open your mouth for the, for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Now, that means that, means that God has put us here. Guess what God has put us here for, family? To fight. Now, y'all know we're going to Malawi in a few months, so we do international missions. You know we've done some work in Camden. We've sent Epiphany Camden over there, planting a church in Camden. They're, they're, they're already beyond core capacity there, and, and, they're, and they're planting in a few weeks and launching on Sunday mornings, okay? So, 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 so it's not an issue whether we believe in ministry in the world and out in, in, in our region, but now I want us to really zoom in on seeing gospel transformation in our city. Because now I want us to begin to take this seriously. I, 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 sometimes I feel like Y'all think we're like playing, like we're just here to be a little sexy inner city church to say we're in the hood so that we can say we're in the hood. We're here for a reason. We're not here to say, oh, you know, we we down in the grime and grit, but we ain't doing nothing. It's time for us to get at it, and it's time for us to put ourselves in sacrificial situations to save some lives. It's time. It's interesting that Jesus said the greatest among you will become servants. Now, what's interesting about that word is it's the word that we later find is used for the word deacon, our office of deacon. But the word in its original form means people who serve in such a way in which they heal fractures in their context. Heal fractures and chasms through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the sense of that word means. And so what we're called to do here in this city is we're called to do that. And we want to do that in a multiplicity of ways. And now that, that's, that's why we're calling those from Philadelphia, refine re, re the love for your city. Those who are from Philly. Because some people don't, from Philly, like, I'm trying to get out this joint. I'm going to Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to Houston. 
I'm going somewhere different, Florida, you know. Some of y'all think, that's why y'all laughing, because y'all thinking it already. The college students, y'all say, we just passing through Philadelphia. We just passing through, right? Right? But, but, but what we, what we, this is what we need if this thing won't just be just an experiment. This thing called a church plant, Epiphany Fellowship. We're going to need people to really commit themselves to God first. We need people to commit themselves to God, and in committing themselves to God through Jesus Christ, that you stop coming to church for you. If one more person tell me, I, I just want to get fed, I just want music that I want, I'm going to swing a baseball bat at something. Like, I'm, I think I'm going to jump out the window, land on my feet, jump back up into the window, and just run upstairs and run to the basement and come back to the pulpit. I mean... Literally, I'm about to lose my mind about our selfishness. And we need people that are going to commit. That's why we're starting this after-school program, to develop common ground with our neighbors and to help come alongside of the community. Because what's interesting is they heard the voice of the broken. And in order to hear the voices of the broken, you have to develop common ground with them to be able to hear their voice. And see, and see many of us call them those people. That's not what God would call them. God wouldn't call them those people that we don't want to touch, those weird people, those people with this many kids and all of that. Listen, that's not how God looks at them. God looks at them because the Bible says in Psalm 34 that God is near to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. That's what what David said in Psalm 51. And so what we need to begin doing is we're going to be harnessing that. That's why we want our small groups to focus our common ground uh, outreach to the neighborhood so that our outreach goes beyond events. Yes, we're going to continue to do blitzing events. We're going to still do connecting events. We're trying to do CCC again this year because the neighborhood asks us. We're trying to acquire the lot behind us, which we're in the process of doing that, to make around the building a park where we, we refinance everything to be able to turn the third floor into a youth and children's wing and then the basement into a, 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 a soul food restaurant that's healthy, though, even though that's an oxymoron. But we're trying to, I mean, because everybody, you go to this one, you get a cheesesteak, you get pizza, you get, you know, so we need to get some healthy stuff around here. But what we want to do is we want to develop common ground with our neighbors so that we can earn the right to share Jesus with them. Because the church has lost common ground because all they think we are are a bunch of drive-in shouters that come in on Sunday and Wednesday to talk about stuff with no relevance to them and then leave and go back to our comfort and drive past them rather than going to them. Now, now, the Great Commission says go. It doesn't say let make, build, make everything attractive for people to come to us. The Great Commission says go. And so in this text, it's driving us to walk as being that city within the city. That's what we need to be. This is, this is not some revivalistic preaching to fire you up and, and, just, and then we walk away and we felt better. We, we're really trying to actually be the church here. I'm going to say that again because y'all didn't get that. We are really trying to be the church here. And so that means that we can't wait for the economy to turn in Philly, for Philly to be attractive as a mission field. Because, see, Christians, our problem, we want the mission field to become attractive before we'll go to it. But the reason why he sends you there is because he's the attractive thing, not the context. Oh, my God. And so, and so, and so, and so that's why I'm challenging those of you getting all these degrees to start businesses in the city. That, that's why I'm, I'm utilizing your gifts of the arts 
to, to, to teach art to those who have no hope and use that art, use those businesses, utilizing those things as common ground. And while you're teaching them, you slide Jesus right into their heart. You talk to them about the gospel and proclaim the gospel. That's why we need more old heads. Our average age is 25. We need some more old heads to help some seasoning and some herbs and spices to come up in. So more people, because many of you, listen, many of you, because the absentee of parents, are going to be spiritual mothers and fathers to many. Because you're going to be the only mom and dad they see. But really, it's Christ that you're giving to them in a motherly and fatherly way. That's what we're here for. If we're not here, if we're just here to get our shout on, if we're just here to get a word, then we need to shut everything down, sell the property to the temple, and let them make this into a dormitory. But if we're really here to see gospel transformation, to see, to see cats down the street in Diamond World where we're going to be praying today, who are, who, who are, who are having, sh- I'm, I'm walking my son's, cats having shootout with the police while I'm walking my son's to the, to, the, to, the, uh, to the playground, shootouts, girls getting molest, generational rape, generational molestation. And I, and I know this is scary. One of the things I like that Precious said to the counselor, I, I love what she said to the counselor. She said, you can't handle all this. She's basically saying, my stuff's so wrecked, you don't want to come into my world. You can't, you, you, what you got? They can change what I've gone through. That's what they're going to say to us. All right, Mr. Preacher, man. All right, Sister Preacher, girl. What you got that's going to change my world? Will you cry with them? Will you have a broken heart with them? Will you hear their voice but then say, yes, I do have something for it? And Listen, if you don't learn now, that your life is not your own. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, you were bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. You are not your own. And stop planning your life without Jesus. Because the plans of a good man and woman are established by the Lord. And if anything in your life is ever going to work, God has to be the divine editor of it. He has to be. So I'm going to sit down. Sermon's almost over. But I want us, I want, I want us to really take mission seriously. Listen, people always, people asking us, can, listen, I, I, don't, I don't want a bunch of groups from the suburbs to just come here and bring their youth here. I want people from Philadelphia. I want the college students. I want families. I want people here at this ministry. I'm, I am, I'm going to just tell y'all as the pastor here, I am sick and tired of getting other people to do ministry for us. I'm tired of it. It's time for us to put our hand to the plow. Us. Us taking initiative. And not waiting for somebody to do it for us. It's time for us to start giving. For ministry. Y'all, don't, y'all know I've never taken up an offering for myself. Never. Never. And I don't want you to. I don't want you to. I've, I, listen. I have robbed other churches, like Paul says, in order to serve this church. And so now I ain't so I ain't asking for me, I'm asking for Shaquita. I'm asking for I'm asking for them. I ain't asking for you to get me a Bentley. I'm asking you to bless this city. That's what we're talking about. Get no offering from me, get an offering for them. 
so we can get in these housing projects and get people out of them. So this city can be rebuilt. And I, I, I'm believing God that it's able to be done. But all of we're scared to death. You're scared to death because your life is wrapped around your passions. And I'm going to challenge us, and y'all can leave or whatever. I'm going to preach until Jesus comes back, and I'm going to hit this block. We want some soldiers, men and women, of all ethnicities. All ethnicities. I want Portuguese on the block, Spanish on the block, Patois on the block, Pigeon English on the block, whatever. I want everybody on the block and seeing transformation in people's lives. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you lose your life for his sake, you'll gain it. If you lose your life for his sake, you'll gain it. So anyway... My time is almost up, but I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I want us to have Romans chapter 12 empathy um, for, for the city. I, I want us to have Nehemiah chapter 1, the whole chapter, empathy for our city. Father, we know that Jesus Christ came that we may have life and life more abundantly. We're not talking about prosperity, gospel, riches. We're not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a life where you relieve us of the wrath of God, first of all. Relieve us of the wrath of God. That's what you've done through your death. But then, Lord Jesus, but then, Lord Jesus, you, you have... You have, you, you, you have made opportunities for us to, to be sneak previews and have, take sneak previews of coming attractions. And so, God, I pray in Jesus Christ's name that we would be a church that's a city within the city. And that we would see authentic gospel change here. We're believing you by faith. Lord, we also know that spiritual warfare is real. And as you get further and further into the territory of the enemy, um, he will not like that. And warfare will ensue, like this has been going on in my house for the last two months. And so, God, I'm praying on behalf of this city that you would bring gospel change to it and bring it through this people of God here at Epiphany Fellowship. Lord God, we are, we, we are looking at clear ways to see you transform it. Lord God, bring the resources in, bring the people resources, help people to see this as not, I'm making room for it in my life, but it's a part of their life. Lord, we know every, we're not asking people to be at church every day. That's not what we're asking, but we are asking people, all of us, to recognize that, that if we're going to be a part of a local community, then we give our lives to the Christ of that community. And in giving our lives to the Christ of that community, um, he, since he is our life, we don't make space. He is our space. Um, so, Lord God, even if, even if someone is not the person that's specifically out, maybe they can be the hand that holds the rope out to the person that goes out. That's what missions is about. Those who support it and those who functionally walk in it. But both are missionaries of the same. Lord God, be with us. Help this to take root in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.